friends. Welcome to the Faithful Podcast, stories of people who walk by faith and gained a fuller understanding of the faithfulness of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Baker. Thank you so much for listening today. You can find my podcast on iTunes at Faithful Podcast or on my website, faithfulpodcast.podbean.com. I'm also on Instagram at Faithful Podcast. If you like the podcast, please take a few moments to leave me a review on my iTunes channel. Reviews are so important because they help other people find the podcast so that it can be a blessing to them. Also, you definitely want to check out my husband Phil Baker's podcast, Reclaiming the Faith. Not only does Phil handle the music as well as the editing of my podcast, he has a powerful podcast of his own. He explores what the earliest Christians believed and how they would deal with the core issues that we face today. It's been such a blessing to me and so many others, so please check it out. Also, you should check out his new EP, Love and War. I'm loving all the songs, and I know you'll love them too. You can get it from philsbaker.com or on iTunes. This is part two of my interview with my sweet friend, Joy Meadows. As I mentioned in the last episode, you really should check out the company that she and her husband have started called Peachtree Home Decor and Renovation. You can check out their incredible work on Instagram at peachtreehdr. If you haven't listened to part one yet, find episode nine and check that out right away. It is such a powerful recounting of the spiritual abuse that she went through as a young woman. In part two, we'll talk about how to recognize spiritual abuse, as well as practical advice on how to deal with spiritual abuse. Joyce shows such kindness toward those that have hurt her, and I pray that God helps us all to do the same. So here is part two of my interview with Joy Meadows. So for a period of my nursing career, I worked with um, sexual assault patients. And people always ask sometimes, or often would ask me, you know, why did they wait so long or why didn't they report and whatever. And it's Mm -hmm. the same idea. It's that nobody's going to believe me over this other person. And um, or if what if they don't believe me, even, you know, or catching it earlier than that. But um, I think that it's... It's so important as um, just as people in general, when somebody mm-hmm. comes to us and they tell us something that, you know, maybe it doesn't line up with what um, we know about someone else that we mm-hmm. we at least investigate. We don't just shut it down right then and there. And right um, because a lot of times the reason we don't investigate is because we're afraid of what that other person might think of us right. looking into it and. Um, I think it's just so important to, you know, take some time and pray and don't immediately shut somebody down because mm-hmm. you've known someone else longer or you right. have more of a relationship with someone else. And um, I mean, there's been times where people, there's been people I've known, students that have told me things that I had to, you know, pass on to the authorities. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's a scary situation, and I'm like, okay, well, I've done my part. <laughs> I've I've passed it on, and you know, I've prayed for them, and you know, I'm going to let an investigation take place because I want, I would never want somebody to not believe me, right? And to you know, trust what I'm saying. Um, right. So, what are some ways that we can recognize spiritual abuse? Um, well. I think for someone that's wondering, 
Yeah. Um, if they're in a spiritually abusive situation or if they're experiencing it, um, it there's a few questions you can ask. Um, and it would be, can, can we be truthful in this moment? Be one. Can, because uh, the truth is what's supposed to set us free, right? John 8, 32 says that. It's the, um, that's our starting point is the truth of God. So can we be truthful? Who's controlling this narrative? Um, is it being portrayed accurately or is someone controlling the output, I guess, of this information? Mm-hmm. And is Jesus the filter that the word is being presented through? Right. Um, or, and, you know, we, we talked about this earlier, or scriptures being used out of context to fit an agenda. Right. And really looking at that, I feel like that's an easy way to spot red flags is how the word of God is used. Mm. Um, are you personally being made feel to question your ability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit mm. in your own life? Are you like, um, are you questioning if you can hear God? Because uh, first John, I think talk about that. I mean, in first John, it's clear that the Holy Spirit is all we need to understand and know truth. He's given us all we need in the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, are, are they putting their ability to hear God as a greater, higher, because of their position? Mm. Um, and um, I, I think if you feel controlled, Jesus comes to set the captive free. Right. And so if you are walking in something that's healthy, there's freedom in Jesus. And so if something is, if somebody's controlling you, I don't, I don't feel like that, that's the heart of the Lord. Um, mm-hmm. And then if you question something, is there a physical response? I mean, I, I had a very obvious instant negative physical response to my questions. Um, anger, I, I would say rage. Um, there was fire behind the eyes when I questioned mm. decisions. Um, so what's the heart of the person? Do they want to say, you know what? Oh, are they, are they praying about decisions that are being made? Um, right. And then looking at, Jesus gave a great example of godly leadership. Like look at what Jesus says about what a godly leader does. It's in Matthew, um, is it 20? Or does he talk about the, um, it, the greatest of these will be your servant. You know, mm-hmm. servant leadership is what Jesus describes as, as what we should attain to be. And um, so I think weighing all of those things out and then looking at your leadership, does it, conf- is it in conflict with any of these things? Um, and then pray. Yeah. Pray that the Lord would, you know, um, reveal to you if you're in a safe space, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's really, really good. Um, so what helps you personally to feel compassion or what helped you, I guess, um, past or present helps you feel compassion for those that have hurt you and those, um, those that you, that hurt you and the ones that you love? Um, well, I think, it's now more than then. I don't feel like I felt compassion. I didn't feel much of anything for those years. Yeah. Um, 
But now, I think when we look at scripture, Jesus and the prophets are really clear that those who are leaders in the church have a higher level of judgment, right? A higher level of authority or accountability. And I don't envy that (laughs) for a second. Um, James 3, you know, he talks about not many of us should become teachers because we're going to be judged more strictly. I think, yeah, we will be judged more strictly. Uh I can have, and I do have empathy, compassion, even forgiveness because I have been forgiven. So we have to step outside of, I was hurt and realize all have sinned and fallen short of the God. I am in just as much need of Jesus's love and mercy and forgiveness as any of these people that hurt me. Now, um, and and I also recognizing, I think, who the real enemy is. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I mean, the Lord opened my eyes and said, this is not your fight. Right. It was a bigger battle. And I think I can have compassion because it's it's greater than us. It is, we are, we are in a daily battle, all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a battle for each of our souls. And um, I think just recognizing that I need him just as badly as the next person. And um, now forgiveness too. I mean, I, it doesn't mean not, keeping boundaries. It doesn't mean that you should stay in an unsafe or toxic environment. Yeah. Um, that's that's not forgiveness. It's just, and, and not what I'm saying to do. It's just when, when you let it, let go and let God, mm-hmm. you know, he is the one um, judge. I think I love, uh, I homeschool. And one of the verses um, that my nine-year-old um, memorized earlier this fall was Numbers 15, 28. And um, he does hand motions with it. So mm-hmm. I'm picturing it. <laughs> the, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in faithful love, forgiving sin and rebellion, but he will not leave the guilty unpunished. And William's version, <laughs> the William version is, he will not leave the guilty unspankened. And he spanks his, <laughs> his butt when he says that part. That's how he remembers it. Yeah. But there's such hope in that. God is telling us, that's the good news. He's gonna handle them. It's not up to us to handle them. He's right. got it. He's not gonna leave the guilty unpunished. And uh, and to realize I wouldn't want, I don't want that I, <laughs> yeah. on me. And so let it go to the best you can. It, some days it's gonna be harder than others. Some days it's gonna be moment by moment, hour by hour that you're re-giving it to the Lord. And eventually the stab and the pain won't be there anymore. Um, and it'll be fully his, but just walking that out and practicing forgiveness as handing it back to Jesus and not harboring bitterness in our hearts um, is I think why I'm I'm not angry anymore. Yeah. So um, what helps you to remain faithful in the hard times? or what helped you in the past as well? Yeah. Um, well, I feel like, see, I, I, I feel like I, I didn't remain faithful for those seven years. Um, I was just going through the motions. Mm. Um, but since, uh, you know, my, my mentor, um, a woman, a name of Punky Tolson, 
um, she said to me, I think is what kind of helped shift my thinking and the trajectory of, of remaining faithful. She said, um, Jesus has seen it all and he will see to it all. Mm. And the very thing that meant to take me out will become my most profoundly effective tool for ministry. Um, I like and that. I, I just held on to that, you know, I grabbed onto it because, um, you know, it's like, there's purpose in that. I want to point others to the hope and healing that Jesus brings. He's the restorer of the places destroyed by sin in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, he promises in Isaiah 61 that he will bring beauty from the ashes. And so hope, hope is what's made me stay faithful. Hope yeah. that he will take something beautiful from the fire that tried to consume me and and did for a season. Mm. That's that's really powerful. I like that. The can you say that quote one more time? Uh, yeah. Um, Jesus has seen it all, and He will see to it all. Mm-hmm. The very thing that meant to take me out will become my most profoundly effective tool for ministry. See, I see that in you, Joy. Like I see mm-hmm. you are a safe place for people um, that are going through difficult stuff. And that's because you have gone through that and you didn't have that safe place. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's very much a part of who you are and what God does for you. And you've also become more emboldened and you are quicker to speak when you see injustice, when you see things, when... Um, where I think, you know, had you not been mm-hmm. through this experience, you would be, you would be still that, um, you know, naive, I guess you would say. That's right. not, I, I don't mean it in the bad way, but you just didn't sure, have the no, same, the I, life experience. And No, it's a little bit of PTSD, honestly, yeah. and not taking, I know that that's a very serious um, uh Issue. I mean, that, that people yeah. really struggle with. And, and to an extent, I, uh, for years, would sit in church just kind of darting around looking for the red flags. When was someone going to hurt somebody? And, mm-hmm. and just learning to trust again and learning to, um, to trust. But then also when, I, and you're right, I don't have any problem calling a spade a spade yeah. <laughs> anymore. And, but trying to do it in all grace and humility and oh, yeah. guarding my tongue. Because again, people that are spiritual abusers, they deserve to be approached with as much uh, love and grace as, as any of us because mm-hmm. they're blinded. And most of them truly believe what they're doing is right. Right. And um, feel justified in their behavior and and are completely blinded to the the destruction and yeah. the path behind them. And so just learning to walk in humility, I think um, is something we, uh, a journey I've been on and to really guard my tongue. I never, ever want my tongue to be a weapon against somebody because mm-hmm. I've lived the damage of what that does. Yeah. Um, so guarding our words and... Um, but I I appreciate I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. So um, you've you you walk that out very well. So can you tell us about some self discovery that has been helpful for you in your life? 
Um, well, most recently, thanks to you, <laughs> you you pushed me. I think you know what I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, uh, the Enneagram. Yeah. No, you uh, were, con- I love personality tests and you were pushing me. You got to do this one. You got to do this one. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. They're all the same. And you're yeah. like, no, you have to do this one. Gave me the road back to you for my birthday. Sat on my shelf, I think for a year before yeah. I cracked the cover. Um, and then- once I did, I think it it has been hugely transformational for me in understanding why I have done some of the things that I've done and why I have certain coping mechanisms that I have and mm-hmm. um, just the self-discovery of it and learning where it's unhealthy and how I can continue moving towards wholeness. And for my marriage, it has been huge. I mean, we're the opposite numbers on the on the Enneagram for sure. And yeah. um, just having compassion and understanding for why Chad does things the way that he does. And before things would have frustrated me or I didn't understand why he couldn't reframe everything. <laughs> <laughs> why can we not see the positive in this? Yeah. And in me trying to make him see the positive in it, I was... Um, devaluing his feelings, you know? And so mm-hmm. it is, it's been transformational for us um, as far as having a language, a common language to understand where the other one is coming from. Right. Uh, has been really, really good. And then um, I think like I said before, just really learning um, and trying to live by the power of life and death being in the tongue. So yeah. those two things most recently, um, have sort of been themes and walking through. Yeah, that's really good. I think that's, um, I think it's also just understanding with things like the Enneagram that, um, yeah, it's not, it's not everything, but it helps you to understand people and have more compassion and um, maybe even toward people that, that hurt you. I mean, a lot of them, Absolutely. you can see that they are, um, maybe they're a perf- have perfectionistic tendencies and they are really just, thinking that they're striving for a higher level of holiness and that's what they're trying to call others to. And what that comes, the way that translates is control and manipulation mm-hmm. because they see it makes results. It may not be making heart change, but it's causing there to be this outward surface looking transformation. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I no. think that's good. Absolutely. Even to the point where I was listening to a podcast a couple months ago and the very example, Steph, I don't think I told you this. No. <laughs> I was listening to the podcast and they actually mentioned in this specific number, the senior pastor um, that all of this had happened with what? and said, yes. I mean, I think I quit breathing. I think the rest of the time I was driving and listening, I don't think I breathed again. <laughs> but this particular oh person gosh. was like, I have such compassion for this particular pastor. And everything in me quit, like just stopped. <laughs> what? <laughs> and, um, and they began to explain why he ended up in the place he was at because of what his core motivations would have been based mm. on his number. And it was actually, once I, you know- Breathed again. <laughs> was like, breathed again. <laughs> Take a breath. <laughs> exactly. It was, it was so helpful in having compassion and understanding mm. how he could have gotten to that point. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's funny. 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> it keeps, I can't escape it. I know, it's no. everywhere. Um, and those people that listen that have no idea about the Enneagram are probably like, okay, Steph, why does this always come up? <laughs> but I know. Um, well, maybe it finally pushed them like me for some self-discovery. Yeah. yeah. So. so given that it's taken you years to feel comfortable talking about this subject and that healing is a long process that's been ongoing, what advice yeah. do you give average, uh, the average person, the average Christian regarding spiritual abuse? Mm. I think the main theme first and foremost that I would say is that God does not control us. That is the absolute opposite mm-hmm. of the character of God. He brings freedom he sets yeah. the captives free. And so if you find yourself in a situation where you're feeling controlled um, or or maybe manipulated or bullied, mm-hmm. it's like ask, ask God to show you, to direct you, to speak to your heart, to show you. Maybe you need to leave where you're at. Maybe you need to seek counsel um, from a safe person. Uh, if you're staff, uh, of a church that is experiencing some of this, it gets a little stickier yeah. um, and you have to tread carefully because um, mm-hmm. these are big accusations. And, um, you know, you have to, uh, like I said, you're even a spiritually abusive a person we need to approach with love. And, you know, when your brother offends, you go to him and mm-hmm. you have to walk it out biblically first as best you can. And um, some of these people may not be safe. I know I'm hearing a mom here. I'm recording at home too. Um, Some of these people, and you can kind of sense, may not be safe uh, to talk to on your own. You may need to have someone with you. Uh Um, um, And then maybe it is time to move on depending on the situation. And if God calls you to move on, then guard your words, and but always speak truth. Uh-huh. It's never, um, sometimes it's better uh, to be silent, but um, always speak truth when asked um, uh-huh. because the truth is what sets us free. And pray, pray for them. I mean, we're all human and have fallen short in some way or another and and pray, pray that God would stir their hearts, pray that God would expose it before it's national humiliation because that's what it eventually gets to. God is faithful to expose um, people that are, are hurting his, his kiddos. He will, um, not always in our timing, but yeah. he will eventually. Um, and Let I, the truth be known. So, I mean, he was he was in your situation. He was giving more and more opportunities for repentance, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's why it seemed like it was taking so long. You know, there was. I'm sure you weren't the last person to come to him, and no, um, I'm sure there were others that came along the way. And you just get. I mean, it's like Pharaoh. Like, just keep going and going, and he's. You know, the whole time it's like, can we just have this over with? But mm-hmm. we want the same kindness and, um, you know, patience with us. So, Absolutely. You know, it's, and so in, yeah. and in that, but it's hard. I mean, it's a spiritual, 
abuse, especially if you're on staff somewhere, speak to, it's coming from a, a trusted someone you consider a friend, even family. And when that switch flips and you're, it's the wounds are deep and yeah. only Jesus, only Jesus can heal those places. Yeah. And, you know, with your, you, you've come from a family and you um, are currently, you know, have been, you're married to someone who's worked at churches. Mm-hmm. I think it, it, like you said, it is, it is messier and it's harder when you work at a church, but um, I mean, it still needs to be said. It's just, you have to count the cost. You know, you, you have to know that right. when you go into this, this may I mean, it's not just like I might have to move churches. It's I now I have to figure out another way to take care of my family. Right. And that that's really, that's a big thing. But that doesn't mean like, you know, we sit idly by and we let this injustice continue. And, and I think that that's the key is you can't, um, you cannot sit quietly once you recognize that abuse is taking place. We yeah. just can't because mm-hmm. that's not that's not our Jesus. That's not who he is. It goes against his character. And by aligning ourselves with people that are operating like that, we're saying we agree with uh-huh. their methods of how they do things. And you have to trust that God's going to take care of you because he will. And it Amen. may be hard and it may not be in the timing that we see or expect, um, but he is so faithful. He is faithful. And I think um, I wish that, and, and you know, it is what it is, but I'm sad for the joy that I was for those seven years. Mm-hmm. I hurt when I see her and the lies she was believing. And I just never want to see anybody else shut down yeah. to the goodness of the Lord because of their own personal agenda mm-hmm. being more important. So that's, that's really good stuff. Um, so what advice would you give um, churches regarding prevention or dealing oh. with spiritual abuse? I don't feel like I'm qualified to be giving <laughs> churches advice on how to handle it at yeah. all. Um, if I was gonna say anything, it would be accountability, and more accountability Mm. and more accountability. Um, When you look at the early church, which I think, I mean, the word should be our example, right? Scripture should be what we look to for how we do everything. And when when we look at the early Christians, um, you see a collective leadership that they came together. They sought the Lord together about the decisions they were making. And I feel like healthy discussions, yeah. um, healthy disagreement is good. It's normal. Um, having the ability to question and understand decisions, that should be what it looks like. I mean, there's examples in scripture of Peter submitting to authority. Paul submitted himself to authority. Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. I mean, yeah. we have example after example after example of submitting to a, a higher authority. And I think where it gets wonky is, um, and when we can really let the enemy get a foothold is when we don't have accountability and accountability, 
um, can look like elders at a church and it needs to be an elder council that, I mean, isn't afraid to take a stand Mm -hmm. and um, an elder council that's not getting you know, a narrative controlled. I mean, there's, there are some beautiful churches walking this out yeah. well. And, um, and then we've got lots of churches with imperfect people like all of us. And <laughs> we just need to be on our knees, I think, just begging God together to direct us and lead us. Because on our own, we're going to screw it up and we'll right. see it over and over again. Um, so I guess that's, that's what I would would yeah. say is just strong accountability in place that you're willing to hear from and receive correction from. I, I think that's really, really good. Um, there's a church that we had been kind of going to for a while. And I think one of the things that they do that I think is really, really good, and it may not be practical in every church setting, but um, when a concern is brought up, they don't, um, they don't handle it necessarily in-house. They hire like if it's something serious, they hire um, an organization that comes in and helps to investigate it. Wow. Yeah, I know. I thought that was really, really cool because one of the comments that was made by one of the pastors was basically, I know these guys um, that I serve Mm -hmm. beside and they are my friends and I know my tendency is to side with my friend and Mm -hmm. I don't want Mm -hmm. that to be the way that I handle it. Um, I want people to be have a voice to be listened to, and I want it to be you know not this biased. Okay, no, you're wrong because I know this person better. Right. And I think right. about the situation you described. If that had mm-hmm. been in place, and there mm-hmm. had been investigated, and like, okay, well, you know, we don't believe you, but we're going to let these other people do this, even if it was with right. that kind of attitude. Right. There, at least you would feel heard. Right. right. And they would see the way that these young kids were being treated. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. they weren't, they were adults, but they were kind, you know, <laughs> semi-adults and right. they were being manipulated. And I think that mm-hmm. would have been stopped very quickly had the rest of the the church body or the rest of, um, or that organization or whatever had known how these kids are being treated. It would, mm-hmm. it would have put it, you know, put a stop in or at least put some, you know, doubts in our head about, okay, are we handling this the right way? So, right. Oh, and then and then all you can do is hold to the truth will set you free, right? And and knowing that if you have nothing to hide, then it's okay. Yeah. Um, and it's gonna be okay. Yeah. So if, I mean, I I I think that you know if you ask questions and like you said, there's nothing to hide, then why why is there is this like deep visceral response to just a right. question? You could say, right. okay, I don't think what you're saying is true, but <laughs> let's. Let's talk about it. Let me hear why. Yeah, because we have nothing to hide. Let's just put it all out there. I think it's when people have the most to hide that they respond with, it's a a fear response, Mm -hmm. but it comes out as anger. And um, so it's meant to shut you down. And that's not how Jesus operates. He's too much about the truth to, to let it really get shut down like that. Right, and he doesn't. He doesn't care how <laughs> he ends up exposing it. He's just going to keep going until yeah. he's done everything to get your heart back. Mm. And um, he won't stop. Yeah. And if it takes and if it takes you ending up in prison, mm. he will do that mm-hmm. because he cares that much yeah. for it's true. that person. So, 
So sort of changing gears, um, just to kind of um, wrap things up. What? Oh, okay. Yeah, Take now, a we, now you can let your seven <laughs> show. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Yeah. So what is something that you are not very good at? Oh, easy. Uh, two things. Two things I'm horrible at. Um, doing hair. I cannot do my own hair. This mm. is why God gave me boys, I think, because a little bit of gel brushing over I can handle, but yeah. I cannot. I'm constantly watching YouTube videos trying to curl my hair. It's like the worst. I'm completely <laughs> incapable of doing my own hair. Yeah. Um, and tying bows. I can't okay. tie a bow to save my life. <laughs> cannot. See, so I thought you were going to yeah. say spelling because I, I remember yeah. you sharing. Well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, three things. Yeah, three things I am horrible at. Yes, yeah, I have dyslexia and I can't spell. Worth <laughs> a darn. But um, we yeah, love you anyway. Not at all. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, my spelling's atrocious. Now that my nine-year-old's constantly asking me how to spell things, sometimes I'm like, uh, hold on, <laughs> Siri, how do you spell? <laughs> I say it. I know. I'm looking it up. Hold on just a second. Oh, I don't know awesome. them. So, so yes. uh, that's that's good. I, I can appreciate that. I'm pretty bad at spelling myself. Um, what's one career you wish you could have? Mm, do you know this one? Do you know what I always wanted to be when I dream, when I go to sleep, what I what I do in my sleep? Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if I do. I, I, oh, I, I Hold on. Is it something really ridiculous? Because in my mind, I have an idea of one that well, you might want to be. I don't think that this is ridiculous. Okay, I think okay maybe I'm wrong. Go ahead. But um, when I go to sleep at night, I am Kelly Ripa, and I interview people oh, about their lives with coffee, and we have a fantastic time Okay. Every night. That's my dream job. So I oh. thought you were going to say something regarding like Downton Abbey or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't also yeah. have their passion. Yeah. Um, how that would be a job. Well, unless I, I think I you could, like not set of the movies or pretend I'm Lady Mary, although I don't really want to be Lady Mary because she's horrible, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of love her. Yeah. So. so mm. Um, do you have any other encouragement that you want to leave guys with now that we know that you're going to be Kelly Ripa and have your own show? Oh, yeah. Do, um, yes, do interviewing people <laughs> with coffee. Coffee, that's the important part. Though, yeah. I think if, if you were going to have one takeaway yeah. from here, I guess if, if my life was going to have a, a theme. What I want people to get from me is I want people to love the word of God. I mm -hmm. want people to be able to hold that book and know that every answer to life questions is in it. Every encouragement, every healing, every truth is right there. Um, and First uh, John two twenty seven says, "You have received the Holy Spirit. He lives within you. You do not need anyone to teach you what is true, for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. Mm, and what so He teaches is true. It is not a lie. And some translations say it is not a counterfeit. Mm. And I love that because um, actually, people whose job is to spot." counterfeit. Um, and you probably know this, but, um, 
people who are trained to spot counterfeit never study the counterfeit. They Uh only study the real thing. They spend so much time with the real money that when a counterfeit comes through, it is spotted instantly. They know this is Uh not truth. This is not real. And that's what I want people to come away with is I want people to know the word and know the Lord and be so in tune with the Holy Spirit in their lives that when a counterfeit comes through, they can spot it. They have that check in their spirit and they listen to it and um, and that they trust that uh, they can hear the voice of the Lord. Yeah, so. That's so good. That's what I would say. Yeah. Well, Joy, thank you so much for just taking some time today. I know you've got your three little ones and- uh, Starting to pound the door. Yes, (laughs) chasing after you, looking for you, searching for you. Um, But I appreciate you just taking the time to share something, especially something that's that's painful, something that's hard um, in order to bring glory to God and what God has done through it. Um, I know so many people are gonna be blessed through that. And I hope that people are set free through this as well. But I just wanted to thank you for just taking the time to just do this with me. Well, I was honored to talk to you. Um, I love you, friend. Thanks for doing this and continuing to encourage people to stay faithful in whatever season of life they find themselves in. It's been an encouragement to me. Love you too. Joy spoke such truth to me. I have been in church my entire life, and I never realized until recently how big of an issue spiritual abuse is. I pray that the words that God spoke through her help to bring freedom and healing to those that are listening. You can find Joy and her husband's business on Instagram at peachtreehdr. Check out their amazing home renovation work that they've been doing. It's incredible. Thanks for listening, guys, and remember to stay faithful.